is dedicated to all my beautiful queens, all my beautiful ladies out there. She is a queen. Comparable Margaret Avery. Many of us know her from her iconic role as Suge Avery in the Steven Spielberg adaptation of Alice Walker's novel, The Color Purple. Her career spans over four decades. Miss Avery has paved the way for so many young actresses today. Let's give her her flowers and learn more. Thank you guys for joining another episode of the Q Chat. I'm back from COVID and I'm so excited. This is such a special episode. I have an icon that we'll be chatting with, the beautiful Miss Margaret Avery. We all know her from her iconic role from the classic The Color Purple as Suge Avery. She's an executive producer and an actress and she's done so much. So I'm just like really excited. So guys, this is Miss Margaret Avery. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm feeling mighty blessed, mighty blessed. This has been a last three weeks. My generation has lost quite a few icons. So um, it makes you appreciate every day. Every day is a precious present. Oh, yes, definitely. And you're right. We are losing so many icons, especially over the past few weeks. So, you know, it's just, I just feel like it reminds us to give flowers while we can for people who are here. So speaking of giving flowers, I do have to start off this time. Like, I'm going to ask you about a lot of things, but I do have to start off this about the color purple. And, you know, I know, like, that is the role that I'm sure people of my generation, I can't speak for the newer generations, but it's just such an amazing thing for people of my generation. The color purple was such a huge, iconic film, obviously, previously the book and your role as Shook Avery. At the time when you guys were a part of that project, did anyone have any feeling of just, like I said, it's a classic for our culture. Like at the time when you guys were making it, did you have guys have any type of inkling, especially yourself with that character? Did you just have any type of feeling of, you know, this is going to be something that can potentially change my life and something that people will never forget? Well, we knew it was a special project. And um, I think, our most concern, all the actors, was to, just to make Alice Walker pleased. I mean, we just wanted to please her. And it seemed as though anytime she, she was on the set, and she was a, a few times, it seemed like it was the day that I was shooting. And I'd say, oh, my God, please. And after each shot, I'd kind of, like, look over at her to see if I could figure out if she liked it or not. But... Um, we all put a, pr- a lot of pressure on ourselves to do our personal best, just like athletes. You train and you, you hope it, when you get that race, you're just pumping and trying to do your personal best. It was our uh, everyone's first film, really, like S- Steven Spielberg. It was his first dramatic film to, to direct. 
it was my first A film, you might say, that the world would see. Uh, Whoopi's first film of her three-picture deal, Oprah's first film. So we all had a lot of pressure on our, that we put on ourselves. And of course, we're all happy with the results. Yes, it is an iconic film, and we, we will never forget Chuck Avery. After that movie was released, and of course, it was a hit. It was a positive thing. And did you feel any pressure afterwards, you know, to follow up such an iconic role? Well, I think right afterwards, that's when we started. That uh, When people saw the film, I didn't expect the backlash that we got from, from our, our people, uh, people of color. And, but I understand it now. Uh, you know, it was the first film, Black film, done uh, in eight years. It followed Song, Sounder with the lovely Cicely Tyson and beautiful... Paul Winfield, and that was a very uplifting film of family love, and and you could see the strong husband and and father image that we all universally love. But Color Purple was a little different, and most people had not read Alice Walker's book to realize this is a fictional book. Mm -hmm. So when they when Color Purple came out and Poor little mister is just this hard, horrible man. And Harpo, he was weak. Um, with, without any other images of men of color, it was pretty much, uh, I, I would say that you would think, hey, this, this ain't us. This is, yeah. we were expected to represent us. And, and we didn't. But as I said, I understand it because when I had the opportunity to tour the film uh, in Europe, there were people who said, gee, are, are Black men really like that? So mm -hmm. that's, you know, a big criticism that I could understand and I can't re reiterate. And there was criticism about why did Steven Spielberg, a white man, direct the film? Well... What people don't realize is that when Quincy Jones, who was the producer, shopped the film around the studios, nobody wanted to direct that film. And Steven Spielberg was the only director who had the power to greenlight a film. Who He's the only one who decided to do it. He wanted to do it. We didn't have Spike Lee's and John Singleton and all the wonderful women of color that are directing now. So we were lucky to even get the film done. Now, the gay people, they, they bashed the film because we didn't have enough of that gay relationship between the characters Suge and Seeley. Yeah. But Spielberg, the studios had asked him, can you make the, the film make money? And he said, well, I don't know if I can make it make money, but I can probably make it break even. Well, it yeah. did make a lot of money. But yeah. the reason he didn't want to explore that relationship, remember this 35 years ago. Oh, yeah. So he didn't want it to get stuck, the film to get stuck in just the artsy theaters and it not get seen by the most of the population. Yeah. So there were a lot of decisions that had to be made for the good of the film to just to get done. Right, right, right. Speaking of, because you're correct, right, 35 years ago, it was a definitely a oh, different, yeah. you know. Yeah, you got, you got, 
same sex kissing all in the film uh, on screen now and doing even more than that. Lord, that was not, uh uh-uh, no. If you notice in Color Purple, if there was anything to happen sexually between the two characters, Suge and and Seeley, the, the, the camera makes you suggest that, but it fades and goes to the, a shot of the window. So, and if you look at all those black and white 30s and 40s films, that's what they did. If anybody was getting sexual, you never filmed that. And now, even on primetime television, I'm saying. They definitely, they had to make implications. They couldn't touch all the topics, especially with the same-sex relationship. But now, of course, The Color Purple is being adapted in different forms. There's the film that's going to be remade. And also, Color Purple has made it to Broadway. Because I remember when I, obviously, I've seen the film. And a few years ago, it came to the state that I'm living in at the theater. And obviously, the theater was able to be more authentic to that relationship in the book. Have you had a chance to see the new adaptations on Broadway? I've seen all three uh, performances on Broadway. And of course, the first uh, adaptation uh, that I saw was with Fantasia. And I'm so happy that she's doing the film because she did a fabulous job of Seeley. And you know that Taraji, she's doing my character, Shagabri. So I know they have kicked it out of the bucket. The film is is in the can now. So uh being edited and it's a musical so that's going to be interesting and I think Taraji is going to be doing some singing so that'll be fabulous I'm very anxious to talk to her about how she was cast and you know what she felt about performing that's hopefully we can do some interviews together but um as far as the adaptation goes um all three productions were kind of different because we had different uh casting so but I was just happy for for little old Alice Walker she created a monster she gave she has given so many people talented people work and it's it's a beautiful film and it's it's a classic and it's going to be shown for for years generations uh Back to that backlash, you know, we were we were nominated for it. I think it was like thirteen nominations, yeah. and uh, it wasn't just black men who criticized the film, but there was Steven Spielberg. Out of all the nominations, he didn't get nominated. Now that I still don't understand that backlash, but I do know that a lot of those older directors who made the uh, the studios a lot of money were quite jealous and, and angry that Warner Brothers uh, gave him. Was it Warner Brothers? No, Universal Studios gave uh, Steven Spielberg uh, uh, his his studio. His own studio is on the Universal lot, Amblin, Amblin Productions. And so um, I even felt the backlash after Color Purple. Wow. Because for number one, I I had to do TV because you didn't have white actors having uh, women of color as their leading lady. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the white actresses didn't want to use me. I, I found out a couple of years later that I, there were a couple of roles, good roles that I missed out on because the lead actress 
felt I was too strong or too pretty or something, you know. So two years went by that I didn't work. And when I did try to get work in television, they were the the directors were taking their anger out on Spielberg on me. It was like displaced anger. So it was a difficult time. And I'm so happy that there's it's different now. It's so tough. Yeah. But there's a lot more opportunity and um my focus now is politically almost because we people are trying to make us go backwards and I, yeah. it's 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 a dangerous time. Mm-hmm question it ties into exactly what you mentioned obviously in the industry women of color at the time for that film to have like you said there was backlash that was faced there was a white director other people didn't even want it people were having these false perceptions of black images from the film in the early 80s but now 35 years from now I know that women of color in particular we are more visible in media, like you mentioned, to Raji P. Henson, Gabrielle Union, who you've also worked with. There are more women of color, Viola Davis, but I know in their conversations, they still talk about some of the battles that they have to face even now. And you've been in this game for such a long time. So from your perspective, you know, as an actress, as a creator all this time, what have you noticed have been the differences from that time to now? Because I know, like you said, there are more opportunities, but I know there's still some challenges too. So what have you noticed has been like the biggest difference from- when Well, the most, vi- the most visual difference for me is when I step in the makeup trailer and I see people of color who are going to be dealing with my can't you, don't you hair? And they're <laughs> going to be dealing with my makeup and have the right colors. I mean, I had mm-hmm. to do my, we had to do our own makeup back in the day because if you look at the film credits, it was, I think, uh, a man who did all the movie uh, makeup he didn't do it himself, but his products were what they used. And it was Tuttle mm-hmm. and Ben Nye. And mm-hmm. if you and if they put their makeup on us, honey, we'd be looking all gray. And I mean, so we had to find our own makeup. We had to bring our own wigs. They didn't know how to deal with our hair. And mm-hmm. they wouldn't let our people who could do what needed to be done. They wouldn't let them in the union so that they could do the film and and help us. Mm. And they weren't doing their research. They knew we were coming on the set. They wouldn't get the makeup and hair people. They weren't doing their research on how to do us. It was up up to us. And Mm. the laws at that time, I don't know if they've changed, but if you got your cosmetology uh, uh, license and whatever the hair license is, when you go in to get that license, you have to be able to do white hair, not black hair. Now, how fair is that? But right. black people, you, they would go in to, to uh, get the license and they, they got to do everybody. Right. You know? Yeah. So I'm hoping that has changed. But mm-hmm. to walk on a set and not be a scared Lord, what they're going to do to me today. I mean, and even when I encounter a makeup artist who isn't 
on top of it for what I need. I At least I have my makeup bag with me and I can help the little child because I it's me that people are going to be looking at on camera. And if I, since I know I've, I've worked enough now with black makeup artists who have shared things with me, do this and do that and get this brand and get that. So even today I've done my makeup. Now it's not professional because they're, I mean, you, you can't compete with a confes- professional now, yeah. but you can learn enough tricks to make yourself presentable, which I hope I've done today. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Like I said, you look beautiful. We definitely talk about it off camera, but you look great. <laughs> so, like I said, you have such an extensive career. You've worked with so many legends, like you've already mentioned a few but to rename some of them again, Steven Spielberg, Whoopi, Oprah Winfrey, Richard Pryor, Danny Glover. What has been some of your most memorable experiences and relationships that you formed in your history? And even if I start naming some of the people you've worked with recently, like Gabrielle, yeah. you have yeah. your Oh, well, I think that I'll always remember Richard Pryor. He was funny and sensitive and a very giving actor. Uh, and and he and he made me stretch because he he didn't go by the the script dialogue and you just had to hang in there with him and so he made me uh, appreciate my training in improvisational theater it teaches you to like be the character and just go with it and that's what you had to do with him and it was so funny um, I'm grateful for my recent film which was Block party mm-hmm. I got to do some comedy because that I mean that's first comedy I've had the opportunity to do in well probably in 45 years I mean wow. that because I got stuck in drama and if you don't have control of your work of what you're going to do you just do the best you can with what's offered mm-hmm but um, I'm hoping that the future will allow me to do more comedy as well as trying to move into producing. Um, I'm co-producing a little film that's coming out. We hope uh, within the next year, we're trying to raise the money for it now. It's, it's written and directed by Ro- uh, Robert Poole. Okay. And um, I just got the well I was one of the executive producers on Block Party so because of being older we don't get as many roles as Mm -hmm. the younger actresses when you look at these films the women are young what I used to be right so rather than waiting for the phone to ring I'm trying to get involved with other things but hopefully this summer, I'll be able to stretch back into my political activist role because okay. I, want, I want to go to Atlanta and encourage people, the young people, to get out there and vote. This is yeah. a very important election, these midterm type elections, because they're going to, they're, they're, the votes now go for who's going to be your congressman, who's going to be your senator, who's going to be your governor. They're going to be setting what the, the tone of what's going to be worked on for your benefit 
particularly people of color, because we've got opposition coming at us that wants to take us back, what, 80 years? It's a lot of hate, a lot of mean-spirited stuff, and uh, we've got to fight that with the vote. I want people to know, don't get discouraged by all the rhetoric out there. They want you to be discouraged and not vote. You gotta get out there. They take water from you. You can't take water to a line or whatever it is, all this stupid stuff. Hey, our forefathers, our ancestors, they were out there enslaved, working in those fields, probably without any water. Whatever they endured, I know we can endure it. We have to prove that you will not take us back. Yes, yes, I agree with you. And I commend you for doing that because that's so important to just be a voice in this world, especially when you have the power, you know, because you're a recognizable person, people respect you. And some people are in the same position as you and they're like, well, you know, it's not important to me or I'm not going to be out there. So I definitely commend you for that. And that's very important. Every vote counts. Every vote counts. So I admire Stacey Abrams so much. So I'm hoping that I can be involved with her ground roots uh, people and just if they're knocking on doors, I'll do the same for her that I did for President Obama. I'll knock on those doors, honey. Awesome. That is, I definitely love that. One question I do want to ask you too is, like I said, you've been around for a long time. You've been in television. A long time. Lord have mercy. Longer than I, <laughs> oh boy. Sometimes I, even in this house, the workman was here repairing something. He said, how long have you been in this house? And can you believe 51 years? What wow. a blessing. Wow. What did you think Because, you know, like I said, from my generation, we definitely recognize you, you know, when you're, when we see you in Being Mary Jane or see you on BET's block party, you know, so and I see you in Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins, you know, what has been your key to longevity? Just even when I was looking through your filmography, just some of the old iconic TV shows <laughs> that you were I got. I didn't realize she was on some of these. So, what has been like your key to longevity in your career? Well, you might not recognize it. Sometimes I woke up one night, I'd fallen asleep on the couch, and my voice on television awakened me. And I looked up, and it was something I did. It was uh, it was a science fiction film, and I looked at my waist. I said, "Oh my God!" That was when I had a twenty three inch waist, and I just started crying. <laughs> Oh my God, I used to have a waist that looked like that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the years pass. I mean, as a kid, Christmas never came as quickly as it does now. Mm-hmm. It seems like every time I look up, a month has gone by. Oh, so, yeah. for me, I just want to make sure that whatever years I have left and blessed to be healthy, I want to make a contribution. Whatever that is mm-hmm. uh, I want to go away having helped to make things different and having maybe inspired somebody to do better mm-hmm. reach your highest your highest good because that's what God wanted us to do right right um, 
what I'm totally right. So I know you mentioned a lot just from the physical aspect too, and how we can heal with our bodies, you know, as part of your longevity, but from the mental aspect, you know, I do talk about self-love a lot on my show. Self-love, in my opinion, is the fuel on how we can be successful, how we can navigate our day, how we can manifest, how we can be who we are. So from your perspective, because I do tie in self-love too, just on how we take care of our mental health, how do you define self-love, love? And then secondly, what are some additional things that you may do to cater you know, to your mental health? Okay, for how do I define self-love? Okay. Um, well, for me, um, sometimes, you know, I got to stop feeling guilty because I take time out to do something for me when I know somebody else needs something, but I'm doing something for me in lieu of doing something for them. And sometimes I think it's a healthy selfishness to take care of yourself because um, when, if you're down, then how can you help someone else? Uh, so that's a, it's a thing back to balance in my life that I have to, I have to continue to struggle with and work with, work with because we as women, we're kind of naturally caregivers. You know, we're the one that takes care of the, the birth of the child and the nursing and that's just in us. So when you're struggling with self-care and trying to earn a living and putting food on the table and looking out for your children, looking out for your husband, looking out for your home, it is, it's a challenge. And so even me, it's like I said, I don't know, three years ago, I'm going to go and get a professional massage once a month. If you, if you wouldn't massage me, <laughs> I still have to work on that. And, and when I get a massage, oh my God, it just feels so good. And I'm saying, why have I not done this? It's not always about the money. It's about me making the time to do it. And it's almost like if you were going to work out every day, the hardest part about working out is starting to do it. Yeah. Once you once you get into it, you can do it. But And you can't make up for, for all the days you miss. Only thing you can do to make up for those days is to try to be more consistent. And so I, I'm, I can't be a hypocrite and, and tell you that I'm doing it right. I'm, it's still a struggle for me, oh, yeah. but um, whenever I do it, like today, I had another interview. So instead of going and doing the steps, I have 165 steps in my neighborhood and these hills, they're, they're like fire escapes. Yeah. But it's my own step uh, uh, stepmaster, you might say. And I didn't do it today. And I should have. What did I do instead? What I wiped up the kitchen and swept the floor. Mm-hmm. Because I can't stand my kitchen. I, I have to, I'm, I'm just a fanatic on a clean kitchen. So mm-hmm. there was stuff on the floor from last night from my husband. Boy, it's just hard acting like a five-year-old. And... We can't have ants at this time of the year. I mean, they are just, oh, you can't leave a crumb anywhere. Those little searchers, they find it. And the next thing you know, it's a whole good grief. So I was doing that. And before I knew it, it was time to get ready for the other interview. And I should have like 
left that? Why didn't I leave that, Margaret, and go do my walk? Because I can't make up for the fact that I didn't do that today. I just have to make sure that I do it and be consistent. And I feel so much better when I do it. Now, when I was nine months pregnant, seven, no, I was seven months pregnant because mm-hmm. I've been in this house 51 years. And I could do those steps without stopping. Now, I have to stop for like, I have to do about four stops for 20 seconds. And I say, okay, okay, that's okay, Margaret, but you're doing it. Don't mm-hmm. stop doing it. Right. Because, like I said, I feel so much better after I have my heart is pounding. It was a good, good workout for my, for your heart. So, we know that we don't have to eat a lot of salt. Our our ancestors ate a lot of salt because they didn't have refrigeration. They had to salt everything so that it would last. Mm-hmm. That right. was their that was their refrigeration. Exactly. So we know it's high blood pressure in our in our. Uh, among our people, high blood pressure, diabetes. It's the same with diabetes is rampant with um, with uh, Latina culture. They eat a lot of tortillas, they eat a lot of rice. They have a, this is food. Notice I'm not saying desserts. This is yeah. food that creates salt once it's consumed in your body, and not salt, but um, sugar. Right all that pasta, you know, so, and then I wondered once, once I wondered, I said, well, why don't the Italians have a lot of these problems? They eat a lot of bread, they're eating a lot of pasta, but what I understand, their stuff isn't processed the same as ours. Mm. It's healthier. Wow. And that's definitely interesting. And I'm glad you mentioned just the minor thing about refrigeration, because I just think sometimes we have to go back to figure out why our, you know, culture has certain issues. And that's true. Like there was no, there was no refrigeration, so they had to salt it. So I just think sometimes- Salted everything down, yeah. Right. We don't have to do that. Right. Like you and said, my we- husband, I get on him because before he even tastes the food, he'll like use salt. And I said, stop that, taste it first. So now he loves spicy food. He loves tasty and, and spicy, not only hot, but just tasty. And he uses a lot of spices and I'll taste it. And I say, oh my God, he has to be, you have to realize that every time you put a different seasoning on, you got to look at the salt content, monosodium. If you put a bunch of seasonings on that has that, then your food's going to be salty. Mm, Right. So going back to your career and your experience, like I said, you have, in addition to just your wealth of knowledge, your spirit, you also just have like a lot of experience. What information or advice would you have for women of color, young women of color, aspiring actresses underneath you who are trying to break into this industry or, you know, they may find situations where they may have some downtime where they're not sure if this career is right for them or they may be struggling with low self-esteem or imposter syndrome or just anything like that, what advice would you have for younger aspiring actresses, women of color? Well, for any actor, I mean, once you, first of all, you, you, I always say it better be your passion Mm. because 
And I say too, you got to be kind of a masochist too, because you got to you got to put up and uh, with a lot of rejection. Yeah. And some people are really rude and mm. can. Uh, so you've you've got to know that that's really what you want, and then you've got to know your craft. Everybody that's to me, if you look at the Viola Davises and, and the people who have really survived and made an impact in this business with their with their talent they had training they studied and they do they've done a lot of stage uh and stage is just incredible experience and you got to be able to support yourself while you're doing all this you gotta who's paying the rent who's who's gonna feed you um it's it's hard. It, it's very very difficult. But if it's your passion, you're going to find a way to do it. And don't get into. And when I say passion, you're not getting into it because you want to make a lot of money. You want to be a star, honey. That doesn't always happen. To, right. For most, for most, it does not. You can get excited, maybe get a couple of roles, but to really make it to, uh, a living at it, I never made it uh, made a living at it all these years yeah. uh, there was a long time that I wasn't working uh, yeah. and I went with LA Unified School District I had a master's in psychology so I used it uh, and prior to that I had been teaching school before I started as uh, pursuing acting wow. so I had I had a way of earning a living I had a, a way of supporting myself Getting into the business by, uh, you know, I had to, I had to pay for my acting lessons and I took dance classes and, and I mean, all the pictures at that time, we had to like have these eight by 10 photos and uh, resumes and all of that was expensive and answering services. I mean, the answering service that I had back in there was like probably the size of our laptops, and it cost me $400. That was a lot of money when I was only making $16 a day net as a teacher. Can you believe it? Wow. Of course, of course gas was 33 cents a gallon at that time. Right, right. But it's all relative. Um, but I'm so I'm saying, if you're just starting out, you got to know your craft. Yeah. You gotta know your craft, and I always say to people because I've done some real estate. They always say, "Where should I buy?" And the, your agent is always going to say, "Location, location, location." That's the right location. Mm. But with acting, I say, "Know your craft. Know your craft. Know your craft." Wow! Because that's what's going to give you longevity. Too many people now want to get into business, like I said, for the money or the fame. They don't want to learn the process of how to become an actor. How would you like somebody operating on you who cheated on all their medical tests or who went through medical school? They didn't have to know anything, but their their father or their parents had a lot of money for that university or medical school. So they just passed them through. Do you want them to operate on you? Right, right. Mm. Do you, how, why would you expect? to be able to earn a, a living and acting uh, if you never had proper training. Mm. Right. So uh, 
And I shared this story. I've shared it before. I've had acting coaches telling me that they don't want to teach anymore because the students they're getting just want to teach. Hey, how, teach me how to get a series. And uh, my masseuse at one time said, I, I you know, I, I hate teaching anymore because young people just want to know, well, how do I get the Beverly Hills clients, the rich clients? You have to learn your craft. Right. Learn it. And maybe, I mean, when I started out, shoot, I was doing free theater. I mean, community theater. I wasn't getting paid, but I was supporting myself with the teaching. Mm -hmm. But I was pursuing another career by working for nothing. So if you have to do internships, if you have to, you, you have to do little plays that you don't get play, paid for, um, that's your experience. Right. So um, how do I keep myself sane? Mm -hmm. Every level of the business seems to have different challenges. First, you're your level, trying to get in, trying to get a job, trying to be seen, try to get an agent, all of that. Then once you get something uh, and get your career going, there's another level of challenges, different. And after Color Purple, it was challenging for me and very disheartening to not even be able to get a job after Color Purple. I wow. said, oh, Lord, what? I mean. Please, God, show me a way. Yeah. And my way to survive was the college lecture circuit that I was able to share, go to the different colleges and share my experiences, my life experiences uh, that um, hopefully, and it turned out that they could relate to and it inspired young people. So that was another way of earning a living for me. So it ain't all peaches and cream. Interviews oh, yeah. can make it seem that way, but honey, yeah. there's a lot of SHIT mm. in this business. <laughs> it's a lot of it. You better have your your mind together, your self-confidence together, and your and have faith in God and yourself. Um, because I know, I know God carried me through a lot of stuff. Mm. A lot. My mm. faith carried me through. Mm. Have you ever considered writing an autobiography? I should. You know, people have asked me about that. I really should. Because there so many things come at us that we're not even expecting. I mean, and that's just life. Yeah. But there is there's a uniqueness to our business also. I mean, mm -hmm. I know that when Will Smith had his unfortunate experience on camera. The Academy Awards. There's a lot behind that. Yeah, that we, you know, it's like we're so quick to to take make judgment of people. Right. And I'm not saying I'm not taking a side either way. I'm just saying that stop and think. What was going on? What preceded before that? What mm. What is it all that we don't know? Mm. Right. And that's that's my disappointment with social media. Everybody wants to give their point. Their, what, what, you don't even know what you're talking about. You don't even know what the facts are. Mm -hmm. You're just looking at the book's cover. You don't even know what's behind that book. What right. is the first sentence in that paragraph? You don't know. 
But oh, you got all, and the people who are the most ignorant have the loudest voices. Yes. Uh, uh. Hi, it's your girl, Danny Parks. Listen, if you are having any type of suicidal thoughts, if you're having any type of mental health crisis, I want you to dial the new suicide hotline, 988. That's right. It's only three numbers, and it's 988. You can call this or text it to be connected to a crisis counselor where they can help you through your situation in that moment. Once again, that number is 988, and that's it. All right, I'll see y'all later. Yes, always, <laughs> always, you're right. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, I've had a lot of thoughts on that whole slap incident, and I agree. I also feel like social media tends to put celebrities in like a Christ-like image where they're not allowed to make a mistake you know and they're human like everyone else you know and I just I don't know it's just it kind of bothers me how social media are just people who are sitting on the outside like you said they lack empathy they lack grace because they don't know you know he's a person like everybody else you know and again that's not condoning the action but people aren't perfect at the end of the day but I just think glorify some and why, why be so quick to be mean-spirited? <laughs> why? 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 Right. But um, I'm hoping that people will grow up and, be, and have a little more love for each other. That's, that's, you know, Michael Jackson used to always talk about love, and it really is. And we, we have to care more about each other. And I think that it begins with caring for yourself. If you like yourself and love yourself, it's going to be easier to love someone else. The most unhappy people are the ones that are mean to someone else. Mm -hmm. Right. I agree. This has been an amazing conversation. Like I said, like you are an icon. Before we do Uh anything, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with you know any gems jewels because you've given so much already in this conversation oh oh, thank you thank you um what would I say you know here I am a grandma and there's I I'm I feel like I have so many more challenges ahead of me like I said I'm working struggling on balance and taking care of myself each day um I just think if women just take time out, stay close to God and find little ways, find little ways to appreciate each day, even though stuff is coming at you. I know it's hard because I've had those days. I've, I've, I've had those days. I remember looking in the trash can and wondering, who put all these bottle, wine bottles in my trash can? Where did, who, what? And then thinking, God, Margaret, those are your bottles. You've been trying to drink yourself to sleep every night. That's how worried I was about what was going on in my life. I couldn't buy a job. And every job that I got, it still didn't pay for my expenses. And I was, I was a mother. Had, I, I had to 
I had to raise my daughter. And thank God I had a daughter because I had to get her to school every day. And that got me out of bed. Not because I wanted to for myself. I had to do it for her. So I think we need to reach out for maybe support system so that we don't keep it all in ourselves. Because other people are experiencing the same thing. And have girlfriends that are supportive, not negative. But my daughter was kind of like in some kind of a group that I thought was really good. She has women friends that they, they talk about things and laugh together. And maybe that could be a start for us as women. Because we're, you know, we're tough. Yeah, we're tough on ourselves too, and for uh, we, but we need we we have a lot of smarts, but I don't think we have the husband that other people may have. We may hold ourselves back, not believing in ourselves that we can do things. But there's stuff out there now that we can do. We didn't have the opportunities to do back in the day, mm-hmm. so I would say. Align yourself with some kind of a mentor and support group to help you soar, because that's what God wants us to do, to be our, the best we can be and be happy. Yes. I, oh, my God. Thank you so much. That is beautiful. And I just appreciate how not only have you given so much information and transparency about the industry, but you also have a great perspective on how we really can love ourselves. And like you said, live in God's image, his promises for us so that we can live our best lives. And I really do appreciate you sharing that with us so much. Can you tell uh, us future projects that you have coming up that we should look out for? I know. The well, yeah. Yeah. Block party. You know, I'm hoping that that's going because it's about Juneteenth, our, our national holiday that it has become. Um, I'm hoping it'll show, uh, it'll show every year because it is a family film and it's funny, but I'm moving, trying to move into um, producing, as I mentioned earlier, but Block Party, I was one, made one of the executive producers and the film that will be coming out hopefully next year, I'm a co-producer and I'll talk to you about that later, but uh, right now what's on my mind is political. We we got to do something about what's happening politically. And I want everybody to get out there and just do whatever you can. But be sure to vote. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much. Like I said, you're beautiful. And just thank you for everything that you've contributed just to represent us, you know, and all the work that you've done. Like I said, you're a very iconic person. And I'm just honored that I've had a chance to be able to give you your flowers. We have lost so many legends. So I'm very proud that I was able to give you your flowers and just thank you for everything that you've done to contribute to this industry. Well, thank you. I'm going to smell your flowers today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Take care and be safe. Okay. Same to you. Monkey paws. Stay away from that one. (laughs) Yes. Monkey pops. <laughs> <laughs> okay, always something. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. Now they must have did this beat.